0: Ramachaloka chaloka dipati sahampati Katanjali-anati-varam-ayam chatha No more Tassa Bagawato Arahato, Sama, Sambuddha Sap. Tassa Bagawato Arahato, Sama, Sambuddha Sap. Tassa Arahato, Sama,
1: it's really nice to be here at Peapod again uh, on a rainy, rainy Sunday morning. Living in Northern California right now, it's such a pleasure to be in the rain we could take some home in our suitcases. (laughs) Um, I had the good fortune of coming up here earlier. Um, I had Chittananda stayed behind and came more recently, but I was able to come here two weeks ago and be here when Lung Samedo was here. It was so nice uh, listening to him. Um, Such a clear... Clear teaching, I thought. And I just heard this morning, well, I knew that he had come come out here to this part of the world to visit his sister, which he has often done over the years. And then I heard this morning that she passed away on Wednesday, which you may already know. And my first thought was, well, it's really great that he was able to come before that. I am sure that was wonderful for her and for him. And my next thought was, well, it couldn't happen to a more prepared person. You know, with all his years of practicing and training and being a monk and teaching, he's reflected on death so many times in his life, and he was... Of course, really completely ready, <laughs> prepared for the um, the eventual passing away of his, I'm, I'm quite sure it's his last immediate family member. I think he's the only one left. And that's going to happen to any of us who live long enough. So... All of that, first of all, I really want to dedicate the merit today to Lumpa Sumedo and his sister and their family and friends. And all of this has a relationship to what I would like to talk about. We were teaching a retreat at Cloud Mountain this last week, and... We had quite a few Q&A questions, and I wanted to go into one of them that I thought was, was very interesting and might be beneficial for you to hear. So the question was, was about relationships. How can we deepen our love and commitment in a relationship and at the same time reduce the attachment and clinging? I mean, it's an interesting question because I think many of us might think that attachment and clinging are gonna go hand in hand with having a deep relationship with someone, and you know, all of us have different situations, whether it's a, a partnership, a committed a marriage, or something like it, or a relationship with with our. Siblings, our children, our parents, our grandparents, anybody? You know, how can we really cultivate the relationship deep in it? And also at the same time as practitioners on the path, fully aware that attachment is dukkha, clinging is dukkha, how do we reduce that clinging? And what does that do in the relationship. So, first I'll say that both of those things are not only compatible but inevitable as we develop on the path. And how that works is that as we practice we and as we take in what the buddha taught we recognize that our development is up to us right it's not a a practice of looking for someone else to save us or someone else to make life easier for us even and when we take that in fully what we recognize is that We're responsible for our own experience. Now, of course, other people are doing all kinds of things that can have an effect on us. And the Buddha talked a lot about spiritual friendship and being careful who you spend time with because it matters a lot. We absorb what's coming our way and we are affected by it and we have incredible potential to help each other and support each other. And that's one of the beautiful things about close relationships is when we really can support each other and help each other go in the right direction. It's extremely helpful. But this whole idea of attachment and clinging starts to become a useful focus as we start to recognize when we feel suffering, dukkha, in relation to our relationships. So if our partner says things or does things and we're really suffering over it, instead of, you know, our usual, I think, ordinary, almost knee-jerk and certainly conditioned response is to try to get them to be different. How many of you have tried that? <laughs> so you're going to laugh instead of raise your hand. I still know where you're coming from, <laughs> but you did raise your hands. Thank you. But it's true. I mean, this is the this is an automatic, almost automatic response. We want we want the world to shape up for us, and it sometimes it does, and then we have a false sense of that being the right thing. I think because so often and inevitably that's not going to be how it works what's going to bring real peace safety security happiness contentment is our our inner work recognizing that in addition to talking about the importance of good friendship and and who you we marry and we talked about about intimate love relationships that the importance of being with someone who's a good influence is also contrasted with or augmented by the fact that he said we should be islands unto ourselves. That we develop internally our own resources, our own stability, our own understanding of the Dhamma, our understanding of reality. And from that, we begin to become more internally strong and stable. And and we are less and less likely to look for our partner or our parent or whoever else in our life to complete us or provide what we don't have yet in ourselves. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Have you seen this happen? Yeah. So if we, if we can notice, which the Buddha, you know, this is the way he said it, this is how we learn. We notice when we're experiencing dukkha. And I think most of you probably know, you know, dukkha comes from old age, sickness, death, Birth, having to be separated from what we like, having to be, uh, you know, uh, exposed to what we don't like, not getting what we want, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair, and really anything that brings up those negative, difficult feelings is. That's dukkha. So what did the Buddha say? We turn towards it. We examine it. We come to know it. And on a practical level, how does this happen? It's really best by looking at the body, being present with that feeling wherever it arises in the body. We feel it. You know, someone we love says something to us that causes us to feel hurt or angry, and you can go right to some spot in the body uh, the clenching of the stomach or the, the tightness in the chest, whatever it is. And again, it's, you know, kind of our normal response is to say something in return that might. be so skillful oftentimes but if instead I mean sometimes we need to say something but let's try to look at for the moment what it would be like if we have the chance to turn inwards and really be with that feeling instead of responding right away so if we can be with that feeling and really examine what's behind it and why does this thing this person, this beloved one said hurt? We we'll just use that for an example. Why does it hurt? And you'll look underneath, you you look at the at the root of that, the cause of it. I want this person to act differently than they are, or be differently than they are, think differently than they're thinking, or some other way suit my needs. So what if we look at why I need that? And when we dig underneath, we'll discover some some kind of misunderstanding about ourselves or about our life or about our partner. I really like something Ajahn Jayasaro said in a Talk once when I was at Chat. He said, Other people can do things to our body to hurt us, but they can't do anything to hurt our mind unless we participate. So, whatever people say, or however they might in- impact us without physical harm. We are, we are able to be with that in such a way that it doesn't harm us. Do you believe that? I want to see the hands. You need to try it out though too, right? I mean, if you haven't. And it's, really, it's a really valuable fundamental understanding. If I'm participating in this dynamic with a partner where there's dukkha, And what's my part? What what part am I playing in this? So this is the way the investigation goes. And as we develop on the path, as we practice all the aspects of the path, you know, we're practicing our meditation, we're practicing having our virtue more and more purified, so we're more and more careful about how we speak and the things that we're doing. And then we're developing right view. And this is part of right view, this, this idea that, you know, the way I see the world, the way I see myself, the way I look at my beloved ones, this is all part of how I wind up in places of, feeling miserable or feeling happy, content, kind, compassionate, equanimous. So, first thing I would like to say is it's not helpful and I would never want to imply that we shouldn't feel the way we feel. So if a feeling comes up and the mind says, you shouldn't feel that way, you're a good Buddhist practitioner and you should be content or patient or something, that doesn't really help. What helps is to be present with the feeling and recognize that we're conditioned processes. We've had all this conditioning from virtually forever. And so being kind even in the midst of being angry or sad, being kind to ourselves, being willing to let that be held, is really important. This is, I think this is the first noble truth. And the second noble truth of trying to come to understand it. If we beat ourselves up over how we feel, we can't get very far in bringing that to a third noble truth state of the cessation of that dukkha. And it's also not very respectful of ourselves. And then, when we start to get the hang of being kind to ourselves about what we feel, we get better at being kind to the other person about what they're feeling. And eventually we start having more and more instances where they're having some Reaction to something, they're struggling with something. Because, you know, people don't say and do hurtful things unless they're unhappy. Unless there's some kind of deep conditioning, but that can be unraveled too. And so, you know, recognizing that, hey, I can be kind to them even if they're having a meltdown, maybe that's even more necessary, (laughs) you know, that kindness and that compassion. And there's some really beautiful um, practical systems for learning these things. How many of you have experience with nonviolent communication? Okay, quite a few. And if you haven't, it's a really good thing to look at. Um, There's another system called um, parent effectiveness training or teacher effectiveness training. I haven't looked yet if that's still in existence. I was learning about it around 2000 or something like that and beautiful way of being present with someone who's upset listening to them repeating back what we're hearing so they know we get it allowing them to correct us if we kind of don't have quite the right expression of it watching what's beyond and underneath what they're saying Right? So we can get a sense of where this is all coming from. It's a great way to develop understanding, compassion, patience, and a certain level of renunciation. So renunciation is one of those words that I never know how it's going to land for someone because it can feel like, oh yeah, there are the monastics again telling us we should give up what we like. But that's not it. You might have heard me, some of you have heard me say this before. Renunciation is trading up. It's really a way of putting a a pause or a stop on the patterns we have that are unproductive, unhelpful, and actually lead to more suffering. So instead, we practice renunciation by recognizing a pattern we want to change like an immediate verbal response to something or maybe saying something that's kind of sharp or critical or you know, some joke that's not really a joke that puts somebody down. And we do those same things to ourselves, so whether it's out there or in here, really really facing those things and, and you know, holding back on that patterned, conditioned response. And usually I tell people, do that, set it up so that you really watch that and do it for some specific definite period of time so that you're knowing that you're practicing it and you're knowing how it's going. And then after that period ends, like I'm gonna do this for a week or I'm gonna do this for a day or whatever it is, and then looking at results and practicing some more, we can really make some changes that way. And When we talk about how we act, how we respond and act and be present with others and how we are with ourselves, as we develop on a path, it gets to be about the same because we're not so invested in this self-identity anymore. And so when we're compassionate towards this being, we can, just, we can be the same kind of compassionate, understanding, patient person for the other beings. And then we start to really see some good results. Because how do you deepen the love in a relationship and lessen the attachment? It's because the love quality changes. It's not, what can I get out of this? There's less and less of that. It's like, how can I be stable and peaceful and content in myself? And then how can I be there as a support for my partner? And, you know, of course, relationships come in all different sizes and shapes. Some of us are in a relationship with another person who wants to practice in the same way. That's helpful. Sometimes we're in a relationship where that's not the case at all. Sometimes we're in a relationship where we have vastly different ideas about what is good virtue or what is what is good generosity what is you know wisdom and that's something that we can we have to give some real attention to is this a good relationship for me for them or not can we something productive with this or is it time for that to end? And as we know from understanding the Dhammas, there's nothing wrong with endings. Sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes it's necessary. It's okay. Or sometimes we find that it's possible to, you know, really deepen in ourselves and We can see the good in our partner or our friend, our family member, even though we have vastly different standards, let's say, or beliefs about what's important. And we can still respect each other, and we can still have a, a good supportive relationship. Depends. Depends on the situation. But the more we practice and the deeper that practice goes... Actually, the more capability we have, the more capacity we have for these kinds of situations. And when we're really, really getting along down the path, the love we have for others and the love we have for ourselves can become so vast That we really can support others to pursue what is good for them, even if it's something very different than what we would have expected or wanted, because our love's that strong. The Buddha talked about this couple, in the suttas, we see this couple. Nakula pita and nakula mata. That means Papa nakula and Mama nakula. Then come to the Buddha and they say, you know, even they both say this. Even from the when I was very young and I was married to, got married to uh, her or him when they were very like young. And ever since then, I've never. Transgressed, that's not quite the right word I want, but I've never done anything uh, in my mind, let alone in, in my physical or verbal actions, that was um, against them. I do not recall ever transgressing against my partner, even in thought, much less by deed. We wish to see one another not only in this present life, but also in future lives. This is from the Anguttara Nikaya in the Book of Fours, number 55. And the Buddha said, If the two of you wish to not only be together in this life, but also in future lives, then have the same faith, the same virtuous behavior, the same generosity, and the same wisdom this couple also shows up in other sutras. There's one where the the husband, father, is really, really sick. And his wife says to him, because it looks like he's going to die, and she says, you know, don't be concerned. It's not good to die concerned. If you think that I'm not going to be able to support our children, don't worry about that. I'm really good with with weaving and knitting, and I can do things that will I can sell, and I can support the family. And she goes on through this list. She said, don't think I'm going to get another husband, because I'm not interested in that. I'm just going to take care of our family. Not that that would be wrong, by the way, but in this case, apparently, she felt like that was important to her, and it would make him feel more at ease. Don't think that I won't go to see the Buddha and his monks. I'm going to be even more keen to go see the Buddha and his monks. (laughs) Don't think that I'm not going to be fully virtuous because I'm really, really convinced and this is how I live my life and I'm not going to go back on that. And she goes on through another few things about her own practice and how it's going to stand strong. And while she's telling him all this, he gets better. He's so inspired. (laughs) He recovers. (laughs) It's really sweet. And then he goes to see the Buddha, and he tells him about it, and the Buddha says, you know, you're really lucky to have that woman as your partner. She's really good. (laughs) Anyway, um, we run into all kinds of different situations in our life, and we want to be able to use them with practical tools that follow the Dhamma, for our development. And we can't expect that from anyone else, including our dearly beloved parents, children, partners, friends, whoever. But we can be there as an example. No proselytizing. (laughs) Um, Just an example. And then, you know, at the end, we won't be surprised when we have to part, because there will be that for sure. And we won't really have to be distressed either. But we can be happy in the ways in which we've grown and the ways in which we've supported others in our life. And the ways in which we have found that kind of deepening ubiquitous love. Questions? I am Mayan Dhamma Kataya, Dilemmas. <laughs> Irritations. <laughs> Jokes.
2: <laughs> yes. That's something I struggled with you um, you had said earlier about that um, you know that someone can physically harm you but like uh, but 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 mentally, if you feel harmed by somebody, if that's like, that's your, like your part in it, or something is, it, it, I'm, I'm not phrasing it perfectly exactly how you said it. Um, but you, uh, you asked for a show of hands. Like, do you believe in that, right? And I hesitated to raise my hand, um, and I, you know, because you know, just thinking about like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of power dynamics in our world, right? Um, you know. Uh, you know, in a relationship like, you know, like gender dynamics, right, or you know, like workplace, or like yeah. you know, um, you know, uh, you, know uh, you know, you know, you know, racism, right, like th- those kinds of things that have like real material, material, like you know, there's words, but then there's like there's there's, there's like real material implications behind yes. a lot of that, right, and so, um, so whereas I, I don't. I don't disagree. I'm just like struggling with how to like how to how to think of, think of it within our yeah. framework.
1: Thank yeah. you. This is a very important question. Uh, for if you couldn't hear it online or uh, on, I think there's going to be a recording. Um, <clears throat> this is about the situations in our world that really have a huge impact on not just individuals but populations and. You know, where does does this idea stand about how we have to somehow participate when there's a mental impact, harm, and then how those, you know, not just physical things, but mental, psychological, societal things actually do have an impact. And they do, and it's a... Yes, racism gender discrimination, any kind of discrimination. I mean, the Buddha talked out against these things um, very clearly and abolished those things in his own organization. But they are in the world. And there are all kinds of things that can influence, influence us negatively in the world. So what does it mean that, well, I'm only brought down by that if I participate in it? it's a pretty deep um, question, and it's important, like I said, to not, <clears throat> to not, this is not about blaming the victim, this is not about blaming ourselves for how we feel or what we're experiencing in that way, but to know that there is hope beyond some idea that we're gonna somehow erase all that, because this is samsara and it's gonna keep happening. We need to try. We can make our corner better around all these issues, and we should and we must. At the same time, we can strengthen our minds. And you see this in all um, populations that are discriminated against, people who are are really moving beyond those negative forces, uh, rising above it, and we need to help each other in that regard. And we, and we need to continue to strive to change those forces. To say, my experience is 100% my responsibility. This is exactly where the rub is, even on simple uh, kind of life, life experience. But it comes back to how we train our mind and how we train you know, the chitta, the mind and the heart. And it also, um, I mean, again, there are lots of circumstances. We may not be able to move away from the place where this discrimination is happening or where there's oppression in the workplace or, you know, there's all kinds of possible situations. So I'm not saying that it's easy or always immediately available, but to recognize that there are ways that we can develop in the mind a way to deal with, address, and overcome our external influences. I hope it's. I hope it can be understood not as so idealistic or like anything like oh, it's your fault if you feel bad about something that's, or if you're in the in the line of fire of something that's harmful. But to realize that my inner work can carry me beyond these conditions of samsara. That's really the path. The Buddha found the, the solution to death and suffering. It wasn't just trying to change the conditions. It's learning how to move beyond them. It's a tough message, but it's also the only really hopeful one I know. And it is the Dhamma. I mean, part of what we develop is a heart of compassion and the wisdom. the, The wisdom we develop about the nature of samsara and the nature of the mind and how we can recognize the real potential of the mind and, and the real potential of living in accordance with Dhamma. And all these really, I mean, just look anywhere. There is so much to be grieving about if, and so much to be compassionate about everywhere in the world. And it's not, this is not to make light of any of the struggles that human beings face as a result, but only really using what the Buddha taught to give us hope and a way forward, a practical way forward that brings peace and freedom from suffering. too much on a Sunday morning. Yes?
0: I'm sorry, I'm not sure I caught everything you said, so I just want to clarify. um, What you were saying was, notice the suffering in yourself, and work on that, and, and, uh, and do what you can.
1: Yeah. Notice the suffering in yourself. This was a clarification. Notice the suffering in yourself. Be present with it. Understand its root. Abandon that cause. So you're working on yourself. And also, through that especially, we're stronger and more capable and wiser to affect situations around us. And so we also try to do what we can yeah. Yes. Um, thinking about the first question question that, that was asked in, uh, pa- you know, in unequal power dynamics or abusive situations or discrimination. Um, what I'm hearing you say. Um, or am I hearing you say, one could say no, or have a boundary, but from a place of, with kindness. So it... Yes, in in abusive situations, in power dynamics, sometimes, I mean certainly having a boundary is important. Hopefully without anger, resentment, you know, not because it's not <laughs> warranted. Like my mother used to say, "Don't I deserve to be angry about this?" Say, <laughs> like, "Well, how much suffering do you want to have?" You know, it's like, can we can we see it with wisdom so clearly? Like wisdom really helps us be able to deal with things because we are not like shoving it under the rug. We're not acting like it's okay. We're not. You know putting all our attention on you know how this has to change in order for me to be okay. Instead, we see it clearly. We hold that full clarity and awareness about what's happening. You know microaggressions, I mean, they can be so subtle, but they really have an effect. and to really understand what that is about helps us. To be able to find where we can hold our boundaries and what we can do to move away from those things and what we can do to influence them and what we can do to just stand up and be an ally to people who are experiencing it when we are not. All of this is part of Dhamma. The Buddha did these things. He was very clear. That there should be no, and this is in Middle Length Discourses, Sutta number 98 is called the Faceta Sutta. It's important to read Bhikkhu Bodhi's most recent version in the Wisdom Publishing Edition, because he translates it correctly to say that no, no way in which we look, that's anything, any body part, any color, or whatever is in no way the way we look. Is a, is a sign of nobility or a lack of nobility? No way in, uh, in gender, in yeah. sexual orientation, in, in any kind of family birth or history or lineage, is there any distinction that should be identified as something where you hold someone higher than someone else? it's only in the noble qualities of virtue and wisdom and generosity and kindness and attainment of of the development of the path good people the goodness that we're practicing this is what brings this is what brings nobility so he was clear and we need to be clear and then you can't always fix something it's really important i I've had this history myself. When you're in a situation that's abusive, that's unsafe, do everything you can to get out and find people to help you. And do what you can. Yeah, it's 12 o'clock. I hope this is useful food for thought. Hi Candle, nice to see you too. Does anybody online have a quick question?
0: I just wanted to ask if you would be able to later, or our friends of the Dharma could put the um, sutta that you just referred to in the chat or in an email. Okay, I don't know if that's possible,
1: but it's okay. there, are, there okay. are two that I referred to. I think they might be able to mm-hmm. A N, so on Nikaya. A N four colon fifty-five and on Nikaya six colon sixteen. Yep, those are the two. Thank you, Candle, for that. Thank you. I, to... I hope your retreat was well. That you just cited? The two, oh, the one from the Nikaya that I cited? Yes, that is MN98 uh, Vaseta, V-A-S-E-T-T-H-A, maybe? Something like that. I'm not sure about the song, but... And it's, it's uh, two Brahmins coming to the Buddha with, they ha, they're they arguing with each other about whether you're a Brahmin by birth or you're a Brahmin by virtue. And the Buddha says, you want to hear about birth? And he goes through all the taxonomy of plants and then animals and human beings, and he says, when it comes to human beings, none of these physical characteristics matter, including ways of mating, if you see the Bhikkhu Bodhi translation. So, um, He was so on it. The Buddha knew. He got it. It's okay to be who we are in all kinds of ways that really don't harm anyone. And we shouldn't harm anyone or discredit them for any of those differences and support each other in the things that matter, virtue, generosity, faith, wisdom. And here you are doing it.
0: Thank you. I think we'll share a blessing. May you have every good blessing. May all the devas protect you. By the power of all the Buddhas, may you ever be well.
1: May you have
0: every good blessing, may all the Devas protect you. By the power of all the Dhamma, may you ever be well. May you have every good blessing, may all the Devas protect you. By the power of all the sangha, may you ever be well.
1: And then we can chant the closing homage to the Buddha.
0: The Lord, the perfectly enlightened and blessed one, I render homage to the Buddha, the Blessed One. The teachings so completely explained by him, I bow to the Dhamma. The Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well, I bow to the Sangha. to sava-langa-langa-kantu-sabha-devata sava-buddha-sabha-dhamma sava-sanga-sada-suti-gawantiteni Take good care of yourselves.
1: And if you ever want to get in touch with us, our number and our emails on our website, coronabv.org. You might Yeah, Uh, karuna, K-A-R-U-N-A, B for Buddhist, V for Vihara.org. Okay. Stay well. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu.
2: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit